Whether hospitals can require their employees to be vaccinated against influenza and what kinds of exemptions they must allow have been central questions in a mounting number of lawsuits in recent years. Such litigation is cause for unease among hospitals because they have to determine how to both protect their patients and honor the religious beliefs of their workers. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Douglas Opel, an Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Washington School of Medicine. Dr. Opel has co-authored a perspective article about religious objections to hospital influenza vaccination mandates. Dr. Opel, how widespread are these influenza vaccination mandates for healthcare workers, and is there evidence that they actually prevent the spread of infection? So more and more hospitals are mandating their employees get vaccinated against influenza. And we know from annual surveys of healthcare personnel conducted by organizations like the Centers for Disease Control that those employers that require employees to get vaccinated for influenza, more than 95% of those employees report that they have been indeed vaccinated. So when it is mandated, most employees get vaccinated. So it's a very, as far as we can tell, effective policy. We know among employees who say that it's not required for them to get vaccinated, but other activities are used by the employer to promote vaccination, fewer employees get vaccinated. So employee requirements are the most effective means to achieve high vaccination coverage levels of healthcare personnel. Have these policies always been established at the hospital level, or are there states or municipalities that have tried to mandate vaccination? Some states have established flu vaccination requirements for hospital healthcare workers. These state requirements, though, differ based on the hospital types that they affect and what is required. For instance, some laws are inclusive of all hospitals, but other states have laws where their requirements are only specific to certain hospitals. And regarding what is required, some states require hospitals to offer influenza vaccination to healthcare workers, where other states only require hospitals to ensure their healthcare workers are vaccinated against influenza. Do hospitals with these kinds of mandates typically allow non medical exemptions? With the kinds of cases you describe in your article, do you think those are going to prompt more hospitals to establish religious or philosophical exemptions? Data shows that requirements vary among hospitals. Some hospitals allow employees to opt out only for religious reasons, while others only allow opt-outs if the employee has a medical contraindication. And there also appear to be variations in how hospitals respond to these exemption requests. What kinds of structures should a hospital put in place for setting policy for resolving disputes related to vaccination mandates? How can they design guidelines that will prevent confusion and will prevent litigation? Part of the reason why we wrote this perspective, really to alert hospitals of potential legal challenges, specifically based on religious discrimination claims, in order to help them ensure their own influenza vaccination mandates are legally sound, which usually just requires making sure they are well-written, consistent, and reasonably applied. And one thing that we learned in reviewing cases where hospitals were sued based on religious discrimination claims was that hospitals prevailed in lawsuits when they developed ways to accommodate their employees' religious views and yet still protected patients. For example, for employees with patient contact, reasonably accommodating them might mean having them wear a mask to prevent them spreading influenza to their patients. But for an employee without patient contact, it might be reasonable to simply require that employee to stay home if symptomatic. So it seemed to make sense in our reading of these cases for hospitals to tailor their policies based on where in the hospital employees do their work. 
One other thing we found was that litigation is often inspired by employees feeling that the processes used to weigh their opt-out request wasn't fair. Hospitals can avert problems like these by allowing employees adequate opportunities to explain their beliefs, not inserting unnecessary administrative requirements, or being unduly rigid with filing deadlines. In addition, explaining their reasons for denying exemption requests and treating religious objectors with respect. So those were two of the things that we were able to glean that might help guide hospitals as they develop or revise their influenza vaccination policies. Finally, you write in your article that vaccination rates for healthcare workers continue to fall short of the Healthy People 2020 target, which is 90%. So besides religious beliefs and medical contraindications among workers, what else is preventing us from reaching that target? Well, there's studies that show healthcare personnel don't get vaccinated against influenza for several reasons. Some have unsubstantiated concerns about safety and efficacy of the influenza vaccine, despite the fact that the FDA reviews the vaccine each year to make sure it is safe before it goes to the public. Other healthcare providers may have misconceptions that the vaccine causes influenza or mistakenly believe that they are not at risk. So it's really important for me to emphasize that healthy adults can spread influenza one day before symptoms begin and continue to affect others several days after getting sick. So it's possible for someone who feels fine to unknowingly spread the virus to patients at high risk for serious complications from influenza. So we are falling short of Healthy People 2020 goals to get 90% or more of healthcare workers vaccinated against influenza. And I would stress that that is the first and best way to protect oneself and to protect patients. Beyond this, we can continue to take additional steps to minimize potential transmission of influenza. This includes wearing face masks, instituting good hand hygiene, staying home if symptomatic, and using antivirals when suspected of having influenza. But foremost, protecting oneself and protecting patients by getting vaccinated is the best policy. Thank you, Dr. Obel.